Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Rob from Cigar Store Idiots. You may be asking yourself what Moonwalker Delta 8 is. Moonwalker is the industry leader in Delta 8 THC products, an emerging category pushing the boundaries of the cannabis plant. By expertly combining terpenes with complementary flavors, Moonwalker represents the absolute pinnacle of Delta 8 THC products, all engineered for pure bliss and joy. If you have any questions or concerns about the legality of Delta 8, please feel free to visit moonwalker.com backslash pages backslash legal. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Thank you, sir. May I have another? Thank you, sir. May I have another? Uh, coming to you from a nipply, nippy morning yeah. on Broad Street. Yeah, it's kind of cool this <laughs> morning. Cool this morning. I got a hoodie on, so it's kind of cool. Uh, welcome to another episode of Cigar Store Idiots. I am Rob, and I have with me you, sir, R. I am James Manning. What's happening? Brother, I am good. How about you? I'm good. How was your weekend? Ma'am, uh, yeah. Anything uh, crazy? Well, you know, it wasn't too awful bad up in the up in the county of Walker. Uh, typical, you know, people acting stupid and and meth itis and, and things like that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, nothing super crazy. Um, yeah, it, it was it was kind of calm. It's a pretty good weekend. But you know, you obviously had a great weekend. I had a good weekend. I got I went to Colorado and got married. Congratulations! So, uh, thank did, you, sir. Did you get thank high you. while you was there. I did not. I'm so. not asking as a police. I don't work there. I, uh, okay. uh, do you have? Are you a police officer? Uh, well, I am, but not in this county. So I think you're okay. <laughs> okay. No, I actually. Uh, I, I had all I can handle with that uh, that altitude up there. I, I can only imagine get, trying to get high up there uh, and not being used to that altitude. Dude, so it probably wouldn't take long. It I mean, probably, I've never smoked. I've never smoked weed in my life. Yeah, but I would think that the altitude would actually affect that and probably get you high really I, fast. I'm not a big fan of smoking anything. Yeah, uh, but I'm my, I I was a big fan of gummy bears when I was a kid, and I'm just gonna leave it at that. Oh so, yeah, yeah. 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 Only Delta Eight is legal in Georgia. Hey, so. that's right. <laughs> um. So our our experience up there is a little crazy. When we first left, we get we left out of Hartsfield and then we flew into Denver. And when we got there, um, of course we we got there super early because you're supposed to. So we got there super early, and uh, the Sweetwater Brewing Company had a, a little like a little lounge type yeah I cafe. Saw, I saw all the pictures you posted. So we're over there, and uh, they started boarding the plane. And I told Brittany, I was like, "Well, there's no need to just." Go Hop stand right in the line. Yeah. Let's just wait yeah. till the line goes down. Because yeah, unless you're like one of their preferred seats or first class, you're going to wait anyway. Yeah. You know? um, and you're, you're, you're probably like me. You sat back with the peasants and the commoners. <laughs> I actually had main cabin seats. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, which was my downfall. I got um, you. So we're sitting there and uh, we're actually, it took a little longer to get our bill than we, we thought. The girl was kind of, she was busy. You know, of course, a shortage of people, uh, service industry people. Yep. Uh, it, it affects the airport as well. So yep. so we finally got our ticket, I mean, our, our check and paid, and we hustled on over there. There was one dude left in line. 
So we got behind him to get on the plane. So the uh, Delta uh, guy scanned his ticket, and he started walking towards the thing. And so we're standing there with our, our boarding pass in hand, and he looks at us and goes, uh, you missed your flight. And we, I was like, what? And we started laughing because we thought he was kidding with us. And, yeah. he, and I was like, and I started like trying to swipe my <laughs> boarding pass because his face didn't show that he was kidding. Oh, And I was like. Yeah, because most of them don't have a, a very good sense of humor anyway. No, they don't. And so. It's like they hate life or something. Yeah. I don't know. Of course, this I mean, guy, I, I think if I had to put up with some people. I this would guy got between, uh, got a still door between me and him and it was good. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, we really missed our flight. Oh. They would not let us on the plane. Wow. And I was like, sir, our bags, her wedding dress is on that plane. Yeah. I was like, we got to get on this plane. Yeah. We, what do you mean we missed our flight? And he goes, he said, we've already boarded. It's done. Uh, and, and the thing is, you're supposed to be there 10 minutes before yeah, the plane takes the off. Plane takes off. Uh-huh. Well, we were there like 13 minutes before the plane took off, which it was my, I mean, we kind of pushed it to the end, but. But still, I had no idea that they would just. I mean, the door was still open. Yeah. Uh, to the plane, and dude closed the door right in our face. So I wonder if they had like, uh, well, I don't know. I wonder if they thought they had extra seats and filled your seats. They did. That's so, what they did. So people were saying on standby. They got they, our yeah, seats. Yeah, that's what it they was. got our seats. Okay. But this time you would have you would have flown. So look, I'll just drive. Yeah, right? yeah I'll be in control. I'll well, I kind of wish I would have drove after uh, oh, yeah. we got on the plane with the guy the second the second flight that came through. So it put us behind. But so he was at the Sweetwater Brewery place too. No, this guy, <laughs> this guy looked like Ted Kemper, and or not Ted Ed Kemper, the yeah. serial killer. <laughs> and he was like, "Uh, gonna take two two and a half hours. We're gonna um make a few shortcuts, cut a few angles off, try to get you there." Thanks for flying Delta, which in my mind translated to, I hate my life. I hate my wife. I hate everything about everything. <laughs> I might crash this and plane, I'm into, crash the this plane into a mountain. I looked at, I, and then the bad thing was the Brittany and I both are like, we do not, we don't fly. Yeah. Like we just don't like it. Yeah. And, uh, we did not even get to sit together flying there. And it Ooh. was, yeah, they just, they just put us on the plane, which luckily we got there. And, of course, we're on a deadline. So how long did you have to wait before you could fly out? Oh, man. Our flight was supposed to leave at 1145, and we had to wait uh, to 240. So two hours. We had a two-hour layover. Did they uh, did they change your luggage over, or did you just get there? No, we got there and was praying to God that it was, it was there. there when we got yeah, there, I got which you. it was. So, yeah. But um, once we landed there, oh, it, it even gets yeah. – this turned into uh, – the poor pitiful Rob West story, uh, life of Rob West. No, it actually was good. So we get there, we fly in. This dude, when he lands that plane, that thing had to be bouncing like a damn basketball <laughs> on a runway. I mean, if I hadn't used the bathroom before we left, yeah. I would have used it in my pants probably right there. So that whiplash. Yeah. So we got there, we landed, and I got outside and I cleaned my shorts and I kissed the ground. And so we get, uh, we, our luggage is there. We take off. We get in a, a Enterprise car rental shuttle. Go over there. This is my fault again. Uh, poor preparation. Uh, I'll own it. So I get there, and uh, the lady's like, "Hey, are you ready?" And I was like, "Yeah." She goes, "What's your reservation number?" And I was like, "What?" She's like, "To rent your car, your reservation number." And I was like, "Um, yeah, we. I don't have one of those. Can you just rent me a car?" And she goes, "Nope, uh, sure can't." And I was like, "Are you? Is this for real?" <laughs> You can't rent me a car? And she's like, no, we're, we have a shortage of cars because of the pandemic. And all these cars have been uh, res- reserved for people flying in. 
And I was like, son of a bitch, what am I going to do? And Br- and Brittany's looking at me like she's about to rip my face off. So, so she's about to rip somebody's right, face let's off. Let's rewind right quick. Yep. How bad of a hard time did she? I mean, how upset did she get about missing the first flight? Oh, we almost caught a federal charge. Okay. Like it would have been bad. Like she, it would have been one of those videos. So she was already agitated. Yeah, I was thinking, like, hey, this, this is supposed to be my perfect wedding weekend slash beginning of the week or whatever. Yeah. We've already missed our plane. Yeah. Now my dodo fiance didn't rent us a car. No. Yeah, she's like ready. So when they told us that they could not rent us a car, I immediately heard because I thought the clowns were about to come. To the circus. So, who did, you, did you call Ernie the Uber driver who, who shows up in his uh, 1993 Toyota Camry with the fuzzy dice? You know, <laughs> no. We got, and this is the scary thing. Like, so there's a whole row, of course, like it is in Atlanta. There's just a whole row of rental car places, and so I'm I'm calling all of them. Well, you can't talk to somebody. No, it's all it I goes it goes out to some. So this lady's like, the closest car I have to you is Aurora, and I was like, it's too far, and I just hung up. Yeah. And then we found another group of people, and we told them what our situation was. And they was like, oh, yeah, we got a car for you. It's $843 for the weekend. Yeah. I was like, shit. I'm Is guess- it a Cadillac? I-, I was like, does that bitch fly? <laughs> does it come with a driver? Does it come with a pilot? <laughs> but uh, so when I was on the phone with this cat, I was about to get, I was almost about to give this guy my credit card information because I was desperate. Like, yeah. Nobody had a car. And then Brittany's like, hang up, hang up. So I was like, oh, we got a car, thanks. And I hung up and she was, and so we found one. It would have been funny if she'd been, I got to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cause I was on hold forever to I'm talk not. to this dude. But, uh, there's a rental car company called, uh, it's SXT. I don't know how they pronounce it. Sixth, uh, rental car company. It's a new company. It's coming up and they absolutely took care of us. Awesome. We got in there. Um, I highly recommend anybody that's traveling. Don't. Don't enterprise is too big to care about you. They did not care about us when we got there. They could have cared less if we well, Delta, was Delta's out gotten that way too, though. Yeah. Oh, Delta. Yeah. yeah oh, Delta's I got I got some more for Delta before this is over. So, um, so we end up uh, we we got we got on the shuttle. We took off over there, and I'm talking to the guy on the phone as we're driving because we had they had to take us back to the airport for somebody to pick us up. You know, so this is getting crazy. Yeah. The guy's like, "Can you be there at four thirty? And I was like, "Yes, sir. We can be there at four thirty. We had thirty minutes. We got on the shuttle and the damn door wouldn't close. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm like a one, I'm three or four seconds from flipping out. And uh, so finally, the guy he just hauls off and punches the the motherboard on the on the shuttle and it lights up. And I was like, uh, well, I've seen that work on Star Wars. Yeah. So uh, close that door now. Let's go. So he closed the door. We take off and go over there. Super nice, uh, really clean. Um, it's a well run. Uh, it was well run from where my experience and the guy even uh, quoted us a little high on the phone. They dropped it by a hundred bucks. Awesome. And the guy was like, we want to, he was like, we have a couple of new Broncos. He's like, you know, for 50 bucks total for the rental. He's like, I'll upgrade you and get you guys one of those. If you want to drive one of those. And of course I wanted to drive that cause yeah. they look cool. Yeah. I ain't got nothing good to say about a Bronco, though. Oh, yeah? That thing was rough. It rides bad. It rides bad. It's noisy. Um, There's really not that much space in it. And and my truck, uh, my Z71 drives uh, much better. Well, you know, you think about the history on it and think about the old Broncos, Mm -hmm. right? You had the Bronco, which was the big one. Yep. And, you know, that thing was kind of rough riding. But, dude, you could take it anywhere. It'd about climb a pine tree. Yeah. 
uh, and then you had the Bronco two, mm-hmm. which to me it kind of it rode like uh, the 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 wheelbase was like two feet wide, and the top of it was eight feet wide, and you felt like you were constantly about to tip flip over, over yeah, yeah, all yeah. the time. And so, <laughs> which that um, was a problem they yeah. had. So. Well, and I had a buddy that had one of those that um, when I was younger, like 14, 15 years old, before I could drive, and I used to ride to church with him. And yeah. man, he drove that thing like a race car. You know, we'd go around curves like um, <laughs> down around Foster's Mill, like on Wedication no. Street. And you know, we're running around them curves, dude. And I, I'd literally see my life flash before yeah. my eyes. And he wound up driving that thing off. Luckily, I wasn't with him that day. But he drove that thing off in uh, the lake at Brushy Branch. Oh, my God. Yeah, he drove it off into the lake at Brushy Branch. Uh, yeah, you were lucky you weren't pulling a piss post out of your chest. Yes, yeah. Well, I wasn't there that day. Luckily, yeah. I didn't ride with him. So. God dang. Yep. I was just a good Lord taking care of me that day. So the Ford Bronco, uh, it's a, it's a, it's fancy. It's a shiny new penny. Uh, but if that thing's that rough and it being brand new, you can only imagine a few years down the road, that thing will beat you to death. It wasn't, I guess it wasn't one of the high end Broncos because it didn't have heated seats. Yeah. It, it didn't have dual, uh, control on your, um, air conditioner air heater. Yeah. Uh, you're, oh, you were just a savage then. Yeah, yeah. I had to reach down and adjust my seat. Oh, my pull the gosh. lever up. I was like, do I got to roll the window down with my arm? Am I archaic? <laughs> yeah. We started calling those first world problems. There you go, man. So we, yeah. uh, Brittany and I, we got a list of first world problems. Have you seen the, uh, the price tag on the new, uh, V8 Jeep? No. Dude. How much is it? $98,000 for a Jeep. You know, my dad, He's my, my dad's a mechanic. He's been a mechanic his whole life, a diesel mechanic. I mean, he fixed anything with wheels. Yep. And I remember if I ever mentioned getting a Jeep to him, he would just look at me and shake his head. Now, I had one. You know, I had that red one a long mm-hmm. time ago. I love that Jeep, man. Yeah. It went everywhere. He was like, t- I drove that thing to Midtown. I drove it everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I, I, I ain't paying no, no money. And gas for a so bad. Like they, they, they love that dead dinosaur juice. Oh, love I it. Love I it. Know. So, and so, you know, it keeps going up. Thank you, uh, Joe Biden. Go yeah. Brandon. Yeah. God dang it. <laughs> I know. I'm re- I'm seeing now where you can't even, uh, the, there's going to be a shortage on toys at Christmas time. Cause they're just sitting out in the ocean on these big, Shipping, well, you, you saw where Governor uh, DeSantis, or how you say his name, yeah. has said, hey, our port's open. Come on. Yeah, you know, real. If you want to redirect and come here, we yeah. got you. We'll take yeah. care of it. Yeah, that's what's going to have to happen. I mean, people are just going to start taking charge of stuff. Well, I mean, it, and it's just, it shows what kind of leader that guy is. Yeah. You know, that guy might be the biggest jerk in the world. I don't know. Yeah. You know, Trump was the biggest jerk in the world, but he was a great president and a great leader. Yeah. Right? And I think this DeSantis guy is a great leader, too, because he stepped up to bat several times and said, hey, come on. And so uh, I think it's going to take something like that. I think it's out of trouble. I think DeSantis might be the president one day. He might be. I'll just be honest. I, I'd vote for him. I would too. Yeah. Um, but Colorado was great. We Colorado Springs. We got we got married in the Garden of the Gods. Oh. Uh, we got up at uh, our photo shoot was sunrise. Ooh, <laughs> I bet that was some kind of chilly. Twenty eight degrees. Uh, yeah. I was okay. I had on my suit. And Brittany about froze to death, but, but it was great. We had a good time. Uh, we had, uh, Krista Miller, uh, did our photos and, um, man, if you got an event that you want to have some pictures taken that, um, would absolutely, uh, I mean, there's just once in a lifetime event yeah. and have some pictures that you can really be proud of. She even made my ugly ass look good, but, uh, uh, miracle yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, 
<laughs> hey, she got into sainthood, but okay. taking my photos and making. You got a face for radio, brother? Yes, I do. That's I do. It. I got a kind face, the kind that might haunt a house. That's it. My mama told me I see you, but that's about it. <laughs> but uh, her her uh, photography company is KMM Photography LLC out of uh, Colorado. Um, she will fly anywhere and take your photo. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, if you look at the price tag, it might scare you, but yeah. it's worth it, man. It's totally worth it. She did an awesome job. She she did she did great. So we are uh, very grateful for her. Awesome. Thankful well, for her. I mean, the pictures I saw online look really good. It's uh, I'm telling you, man. Every I I just can't. I kept looking at them, and I was like, holy crap, dude! How how does this even? I mean, it's like something out of a magazine. And uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe how. How awesome they how, how good y'all looked. How, how good y'all looked. Yeah, that's right. So, hey, uh, speaking of uh, DeSantis, DeSantis, we got a, a flirt of moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I know you were excited about that. Yes, one. coming from the great state of Florida. Yeah. Let's get, let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. This week's What the Florida... Florida man attempts a not-so-great escape last week as he tried to hide from deputies in an underwater pond. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. What's an underwater pond? Wait, he's trying—oh, deputies underwater in a pond. Okay, got you. I it's was early. Like, it's early. I can't read. It's okay. Uh, an, action, an action movie stunt that officials said easily foiled when he <laughs> ran out of air. Daniel Christopher Booth, 36, had warrants out for his arrest in Baker County for selling methamphetamines. The Suwannee County Sheriff's Office wrote Wednesday on Facebook when the deputy uh, attempted to arrest Booth uh, at his job at a solar power plant. uh, The 36-year-old ran away, and he dove into a pond. Now, we can assume Mr. Booth, uh, this gentleman, uh, is probably saw a Rambo movie or two. Yep. Um. He tried to hide from the canines to lose his scent by getting in the water. Yep. And the deputies quickly spotted him uh, immediately after he uh, ran out of air. Wow. Uh, so he didn't have a straw uh, or, or a no. cattail? He didn't break through a cattail? He didn't break a cattail. He didn't <sighs> break a straw. He didn't, uh, he didn't watch that part of the movie. He must have saw Aquaman. And thought right. he could, yeah. he, he gonna, thought he was Aquaman. He going to bust some gills. He was t- he was talking to the alligators. So uh, Booth was transported soaking wet to the Suwannee County Jail. Uh, and uh, as uh, they began posting on their social media with several com- uh, comical hashtags, <laughs> including hashtag not Rambo. Wow. He did face additional charges for the ill-planned escape attempt. Yeah. So if they saw him run into the pond. Okay. They just got to wait for him to. Come back up and get some air. Well, I mean, here's the deal. So it's one thing if you're in the river, right? Because you can float down the river mm-hmm. a little bit and get out somewhere else. Yeah. But if you're in a pond, a pond's round. Yeah. So you put people on either side of it. Yep. You got to come out sometime, right? Uh, so, yeah, I don't understand that one. Now, so I've been in law enforcement uh, almost 10 years and, um, you know, had some, some funny situations. I've never had anybody hide in a pond. Uh, I've had somebody try to hide in a dryer one time. Uh, <laughs> a yeah. dryer? Yeah, dude. Uh, we did have a guy hide behind a refrigerator. Um, yeah, his his mom and, and stepdad or mom's boyfriend, whatever the guy was, was like, oh, we hadn't seen him and, you know, he ain't been here and all this kind of stuff. So then we uh, we go in, we start looking for him, and um, I was like number one guy in the stack or maybe number two. And as I come in, 
I look left, I see the, the kitchen, I kind of clear it right quick, and then I motor on past to the next room. The guys behind me are kind of going in and checking cabinets and stuff like that. I'm looking for, like, obvious big threats. Somebody might try to kill me. Right. Right? They're coming in, looking behind, kind of cleaning up the mess, looking for people hiding. And the dude was hiding behind the refrigerator. So we turned around and arrested Mama and the, and the boyfriend, too, uh, because there's no way this little skinny guy who had to stand in the same place twice to make a shadow pulled that refrigerator in behind him. Right. right. Uh, we had another guy one time. Um, we knew he was in the house. We had been talking to him through the door. Uh, we had a perimeter on the house. There was nowhere he could have went. The attic access was on the carport. So we go in. We start looking for him. Uh, we searched the house three times and cannot find him at all. Finally, one of our guys looks, and there's a hallway closet where the air handler is, right, where the air conditioning vent is. He had wedged his fat rear end behind the air handler, and where the flex duct had come out of the air handler, he had cut a hole in it with his pocket knife and was sucking fresh air through the uh, the flex duct because we had popped tear gas inside the no house. No way. Yeah, That's pretty smart. I'm telling you. Yeah, he's you pretty know? smart. And so, uh, so, yeah, I've never had anybody hide in a pond, but uh, attics, behind couches. I had somebody hide, like, in a sofa couch one time. You know, where the bed is in the sofa. Yeah. yeah where I said sofa couch. That was dumb. Um, sofa bed. <laughs> I knew Thank what you mean. Yeah. That's okay. That's bad because both of us are on the same yeah, page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a sofa bed. So the bed wasn't in there and he was hiding in there under the cushions. No way. Yeah. So, you know, um, had one time where a guy was hiding upstairs. So I go upstairs. I'm cleaning, clearing the bedroom. Um, and right beside the bed is like a blanket, but it's in like a circular kind of pattern. Mm-hmm. Not like somebody just chunked it in the floor. And I yeah. thought, it was kind of strange. So I pick it up, and the guy's laying there in a, in a ball, and he kind of looks up at me, and he has that look like, you don't see me. You don't see you me. You should have kicked him really hard. No, I'm just kidding. Don't Idiot, kick. Get up. When, but, uh, when we yeah. were in high school, uh, there was a big party. Uh, somebody had a huge party, and uh, the cops got called. Uh-oh. And two guys that we went to school with, they were heavy. They were pretty big guys. Uh, and uh, one of them was black, and one of them was white. And so they thought it would be a good idea to run upstairs and hide in, hide in the bed under the covers. So they got in the bed together and threw the covers out. Now, these these are some big old boys now. Yeah. They, ain't, they ain't little. They're big old boys. Because you went to Pepper, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's some, that's some Lindo boys. Yeah, some big so Lindo they, boys. They, uh, the officer came in and pulled the cover back, and they're just like laying there looking up at him. He's like, what are y'all doing? He's like, we was hiding. <laughs> He's like, not very good. Yeah. Get up. Nothing. <laughs> so, Hiding under the bed, uh, maybe one thing. But hiding under the covers, you're not hiding yeah. from anybody. So, I and people do stuff like that. I guess just thinking that you're totally stupid. Um, so I was pulling in behind the levee one night. It was I don't know, probably one o'clock in the morning, and there was a car parked right there near where the baseball fields are. Right, mm-hmm. and and people pull over there and smoke weed and drink and whatever. So I pull in kind of behind the car, and I turn my spotlight on and hit the back window. And as I hit the back window, I see a bear rear end oh diving my over the front seat. And then in the back, because uh, it's like a little small SUV, I see two orange socks sticking up through the window. <laughs> so I walk up to the window, turn my flashlight, and the guy's got his head leaning up against the window like he's asleep. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, hey, stupid. <laughs> uh, what, what? I was like, dude, if she got clothes on, he's like, She's putting them on. I was like, good. Get out of the car. And so, yeah, they were back there, doing, back there doing things they shouldn't do. Yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, man, just people, I, I, it goes back to the whole, um, 
you, you can't make crap up, dude. Look, when it, and I used to work on the road, uh, there was a guy that we had working with us, and he'd went out that night, and he'd drink a whole lot, and so he came to work hungover. He yeah. was, he, I think he was probably still drunk when he came to work. Oh, yeah. And um, we couldn't find him. Nobody could find him. He was just gone. Like, I was like, what is this guy? Where is he at? And they found him in the storage room. There's a big, huge, uh, I think it's a walk, like, like it's some kind of freezer, uh, like a, a restaurant type yeah, freezer. Yeah, like a walk-in freezer. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was on wheels and, uh, it's real big. I don't think it was on wheels. Anyways, he had wedged himself in behind there where, it, like, it's, he had slumped down where his knees had kept him from sliding. Oh, wow. And he had his, and he was passed out back there like they have there's a picture of him uh and he looks so like a, funny, he looks like a dead person wow. we thought he, we thought he was dead they're like no he's just he's drunk he's passed out yeah. he's okay i mean I, we're used to it i've walked up on so many cars you know like like i said i used to work downtown a lot and you go in behind the bars after bar closes you know you see 30, all kinds 40, of oh, dude man be passed out in the car yeah. passed out on the hood um you know up in, up in the parking deck at the forum, you know, in between cars, squatted down, taking a piss. I mean, it's all kind of stuff. And it's like, really? Yeah. Are you, are you, are you serious now? And it's like, like we talked about before, the guy, you know, down on South Broad, just sitting there on the side of the street, taking a dump. Yeah, with his butt in the air, shitting all over the sidewalk. <laughs> it's like, really? Come on, man. That's uh, common sense. Yeah, some people just uh, can't handle their alcohol yeah. or their heroin. Well, we had a, <laughs> we had a, a, a lady, um, she had, I think she was involved in a altercation. She had like, punch somebody or whatever we used to deal with her all the time her name was norma jean and um i think she's in prison right now um so the bridge over behind um right there on second avenue kind of uh near velocity mm-hmm. the one that goes over right there near sixth yep um so if you go into that bridge behind um central plaza if you go in on that side um you go up under the bridge, and for a while, homeless people had that set up like a house. Yeah, like they had furniture set up in there. They had like uh like end tables. Had a good and, little setup. Dude, down I'm telling there. you. So, um, we're looking for Norma Jean because she's beat the sky up, and so we go in there looking for, her, and it's dark under there. You know, it's nighttime and stuff, and so you know, we got our flashlights out, and um, first of all, I look like toward the where the road kind of, or where the the ground meets the bottom of the bridge, like you know, close to the bottom. So as I look up there, um, I see somebody and they got on an orange jumpsuit. So when you think orange jumpsuit, what do you think? Escape prisoner. Escape prisoner. Man, I pull my, or, or, or a Tennessee volunteer fan. Same thing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can wear this. I can wear this on Saturday. Assault with a deadly water bottle. He's like, I can, I can wear this on Saturday to the game. And then I can wear it Sunday when I'm picking up trash with my probation officer. (laughs) You idiot. So as I go up under, I look and like in a quick glance, I see somebody standing there in an orange jumpsuit, man. I pull my gun out. I push out. I thought, Oh shoot. I'm fixing to shoot somebody. And I'll about shot Luke Skywalker. What? So you remember from uh, I think it was maybe Empire Strikes Back. No, whichever when, he, when, when he's, he's got on the orange, yes, orange jumpsuit, yes. it was a full life size cutout of Luke Skywalker in that orange jumpsuit, and they had like stood it up up against the bridge where the ground met the uh, met the bridge, what? and it looked like somebody standing there in oh an orange God. jumpsuit, and I about shot Luke Skywalker. It's like don't shoot my stand up. That's right. <laughs> That's the only thing I got left worth anything. <laughs> well, that was their decorations, I guess. Oh my God, yeah, that was their artwork. <laughs> so. We go, we keep looking for Norma Jean and you know, we can't find her under there. And all of a sudden I hear movement. I thought, you know, just me and one other guy under there. And I thought, mm-hmm, something ain't right. And then I see movement. 
but it looks like the dirt's moving. She had took a five-gallon bucket of brown paint, got naked, and dumped brown paint all over her so she would blend in with the ground. She actually, she must have saw Predator. I Dude, I don't know. But she finally she finally started moving. It's like, get up. You know, she stands up and she's just covered oh in brown paint. Oh, my God. Ne- you know. If you she would have been better off of just getting in the mud. Dude, if you could think like naked meth head, that's what it looks like. Yeah, It's, it's like a it's chocolate, like, di- chocolate dip meth head. It's like Skeletor <laughs> running out in brown paint. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was, it was bad. And so, um, so yeah, I, I've never had anybody hide in a pond, but I've had people hide, you know, in brown paint trying to pretend they're mud. Uh, and I about shot Luke Skywalker. So there you go. That's crazy. <laughs> But you know, it's those uh, it's those stressful stressful situations that get you. Well, that's that's the thing. Like you, you always got to be prepared for something stressful. But it's really it's a relief to find a a chocolate dip meth head right. instead of somebody <laughs> yeah. trying to yeah. come at you in a orange jumpsuit and it, knock it, you it, in the river. Yeah. That's right. It's it's also a relief not to shoot Luke Skywalker and then have to explain that to your supervisor. Right. So, yeah. You shot around into a cardboard cutout. Yeah. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Rob from Cigar Store Idiots. Are you looking for something a little extra to get you through your day? Well, let me suggest Kill Cliff. Kill Cliff is a clean energy drink with a natural source of caffeine derived from green tea leaves. Whether it be the Kill Cliff for recovery, Ignite for that energy boost, or the CBD-infused Kill Cliff, they've got you covered. Go to CigarStoreIdiot.com, click on the Kill Cliff link, and use promo code CIGARIDIOTS for some awesome savings. Kill Cliff, clean energy, killer taste. The reason we, uh, you and I talked about this a couple of times, uh, and we're talking about how you guys have just a millisecond to make a decision that can save a person's life, end a person's life, or put yourself in danger to where you, you, you could, you know, possibly lose your life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, our background too, of course, you've got a lot more martial arts training, uh, in your background than I do. But when I used to uh, do Russian Sambo, we had an instructor. His name was Antonio Lopez, and he uh, – uh, Antonio Lopez, but we called him Tony. Um, and he brought in different walks of martial arts to yeah. our school. Uh, we would do different things. And I remember he brought a guy in uh, showing knife techniques, mm-hmm. knife fighting, things like that. And people, they always say, you always hear, don't bring a gun to a knife fight. Or a knife to a gunfight. Or a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, that's it. Well, and honestly, it can go either way. It can go either way. Yeah, you're exactly right. And so uh, I think we had, uh, we did a demonstration and it was 30 seconds. How many times you could stab somebody in 30 seconds? Yeah. Well, somebody that's that's amped up or somebody that's on drugs, Mm -hmm. you can probably take uh, two and a half stabs per second. Yeah. It's kind of what it equates to. Wow. Um, So in 30 seconds, you could be stabbed, we'll just say, 60-plus times. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a real thing. And that's a whole lot of holes. That's a whole lot of holes. Yeah. And uh, it only takes one good spot, mm-hmm. only one, one good one to kill you. Yeah. So uh, you can't imagine being in a situation where you're, you're fighting off a guy that's uh, wielding a knife, uh, barehanded. Yeah. You don't know what to do. Uh, the average average person, uh, I mean, you see all the time over in uh, – I think it happens in Japan, Asia, a yeah. good bit where people, I don't know if, if they have gun laws over there, but, but they will absolutely attack people on subways with a knife. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even in like, um, Great Britain and everything yeah. over in England that, you know, they, they have a lot of knife, uh, a lot of knife encounters. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if somebody wants to hurt somebody, they're going to figure out a way. You can't imagine, uh, 
there, there's such a, I guess, a rage or a disconnect to kill somebody with a knife. Yeah, and I was thinking about that last night because, you know, you had sent me a couple of videos, and we can go over those in a yep. minute. But I thought about that. You know, to shoot somebody and kill them with a gun is one thing because I can do that from a distance, right? Mm-hmm. But to use a knife, it's very up close and personal. Right. And very, very seldom can you stab somebody one time and it be over and they're done. Right. Unless they just quit and go, oh, I'm stabbed. I'm done. Right. Most people don't even realize they're stabbed. They don't because their adrenaline's flowing. Well, that and also, I mean, I don't know if you've ever done it before or not, but have you ever cut your finger like with a razor blade? Yeah. It don't hurt. It just kind of burns a little bit. Burns. And the next thing you know, there's a puddle of blood. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, somebody with a sharp knife, they can cause a whole lot of damage really fast. So, um, and and I've been, I've done a good many um, like, tactical medical classes and stuff uh, through my years with SWAT and, and instructing classes and stuff. Um, so let's say you take a, a gunshot wound or, or even a stab wound um, to a major artery, mm-hmm. right? Um, even if it's just to like in your leg, like your femoral. Uh, let's say you cut your, uh, your femoral artery on the inside of your leg with a, with a chainsaw or machete or whatever. Um, about a minute to a minute and a half, depending on, you know, situation, you're going to start losing fine motor skills. You're going to start to get woozy, mm-hmm. right? And at about two minutes, you're probably about done, yeah, right? Because that's a whole lot of blood coming out. And you can't just, like, scoop it up and put it back in. Nope. So you have to stop that blood flow, but you got to do it really, really fast. Um, and the thing is, most knife attacks, people don't just stab once. They stab and Multiple, stab. Multiple, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. You know, because most times when you hear about somebody getting killed with a blade, they've stabbed 10, 12 times or whatever. Um, so it can happen super fast. Um, very surprising. And if you, if you go back, uh, we, the episode we did with Leonard Garcia, uh, UFC, WEC, uh, bare knuckle fighting championship, uh, fighter, Len, uh, Leonard Garcia, um, the bad boy, uh, you go back and listen to his story, which I didn't know that till we interviewed him where he was in, uh, he was actually out eating with his friends and a guy came up to him, uh, and, and Leonard said he had a, he had a tray, uh, with nachos on it. Mm-hmm. And the guy just goes up and grabs a handful of his nachos, and then he smears them in his own face. And so they're looking at him like, what? Yeah. And so then he reaches to grab it again, and Leonard, I mean, he's a fighter. He yeah. punches a dude, like yeah. decks him. Well, after he hits the guy, the guy falls on the ground, and then he starts feeling what you're talking about. He didn't know this, but the dude stabbed him. Yeah. Stabbed him right in the lung, like stabbed him in the lung. Yeah. So, um, but... <clears throat> that's that's the whole thing with it's so it's such an unexpected weapon that people most people most guys carry knives yeah. on them yeah um and, and i and i've said it before um because for the very first part of my uh law enforcement career um i was very egotistical when it came to knives um i you know i'd ask people hey you got any weapons on you well, i got a pocket knife i ain't worried about the pocket knife right so then I went to this, um, we used to go to a SWAT conference um, down in, it used to be in Macon, then it went to Columbus, um, called GTOA, which is Georgia Tactical Operator Association. Um, these two guys came in to teach a knife fighting class. Uh, the name of their company is called Maasai Tactical. It, it is an eye-opener. Dude. It is an eye-opener. Yeah, uh, yeah. So these guys are former um, Israeli Special Forces guys. Um, so real they, some real badasses yeah dude yeah so they come in to teach us class super great guys um but one of the things we did at the end of class was they gave us all a white t-shirt so then they took these rubber training knives and coated them in lipstick and they said okay and for two minutes we fought right just fought with knives 
and you get done, and you think, oh, I did pretty good. And then you look at yourself in the mirror, and your face looks like a serial killer done got a hold of you. Your <laughs> shirt's all red. But the whole concept was, and they even told us, if you're ever in a situation where somebody has a knife and you have to use deadly force and take that person's life to stop that threat, right? We don't shoot people to kill them. We shoot people to stop the threat mm-hmm. in law enforcement. Um, you take this T-shirt to court and say, based off my knowledge training, my training at this class and experience, this shows me how dangerous a knife is. You know, one of the videos you showed me was those paramedics. And, oh, um, that one. And, and, that, and that girl, you know, she was even like, you know, I, I didn't even realize I'd been stabbed until yeah. I put my hand up there and I yeah. pulled blood away, right? right? Blood's going everywhere. And so. So um, if you go over that real quick uh, on that video. Well, what, that what, one, um, I, I kind of glipped. So that one was like, and was it in England? Yeah. You can get, you can look all these videos up on YouTube. Uh, just Google, uh, police uh, knife attacks yeah. and then you'll shoot you i mean there's so many videos of and, people and, being attacked by knives and so typical law enforcement training for about 25 years was if i walked up to you as a police officer and i'm talking to another police officer and i'm like okay what do you do with a subject with a knife right if, if you're standing here and a person pulls a knife what do you do and i'm shooting them well after on, watching these videos <laughs> well but everybody's response was Oh, I'll step back. I'll make distance. Oh, I'll draw, hold on. No, I'll draw my gun and I'll shoot him. Nope. Which that sounds really good, yeah, right? I'm going to create distance and I'm going to shoot him. That's your good, P, uh, good pub, uh, what is it, PR? Yeah. A good yeah. PR answer. Yeah. But the problem is um, you're backing up. You don't know where you're going. They're moving yeah. forward. Well, and there's no way you're going to outrun them. They have the advantage. Yeah. And if they're really intent on cutting you, so now your adrenaline's cranking. You're trying to beat the retention on your holster, which what retention is, it's a device that keeps that gun in the holster. Mm-hmm. So if we're fighting and you start trying to yank on my holster, it should keep my gun in its holster, right? Um, so you're trying to fight that retention while you're losing fine motor skills because now the fine motor skills it takes, you don't have a lot of blood and energy going to that because you've got a huge adrenaline rush, and that adrenaline rush is going, oh, crap, this guy's got a knife. Yeah. What do I do? What do I do? And now I'm trying to get this gun out of my holster. And so you'll see videos of officers backing up, yanking on their holster, trying to get their gun out, and they can't even get their gun out. Yeah. Or, um, you know, because, you know, we always deal with people on the smooth, flat surface. You know, you're on the side of the road in the gravel, or you're in somebody's mobile home, and, and they got crap all over the place. So now you're backing up, and, and you're tripping over everything. Mm-hmm. So then you fall down, and you got somebody coming on top of you with a knife. Right. So... When I started teaching defensive tactics for Rome, um, I told him, I said, we got to change this because, and, and it's one of the Gracie uh, principles that they, that they have in their um, survival tactics class, Gracie survival tactics, is I have to address the threat first. I can't engage that threat until I deal with that threat. Right. So instead of backing up, I got to drive forward. Mm-hmm. And you have to constantly retrain your brain. So because of that class at GTOA, I rethought my whole process of he's got a knife. Now, it might be a old rusty Barlow, you know, that he peels apples with or mm-hmm. whatever, but it's still dangerous if Absol- it comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And a knife never runs out of never runs out of bullets. No, it never runs out of bullets. And it don't care who it cuts. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, I've always heard the thing, well, you know, if, you, uh, if you're in a knife fight, you know, understand you're going to get cut. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're getting cut. Yeah, if you're trying to fight off, if you're fighting that off, yeah. uh, you just you're getting cut. But I don't want to. I don't want to think that way because protect. then I'm already losing, yeah. right? Yeah. But I've got to address the threat. I've got to shut that down. So I have to um, put things between it and me, 
whether it's a table or a chair or if it's my arm, it's my arm, but I'm going to try to turn my arm in a way to where my forearm's pushing out or the blade of my, my forearm bone is pressing out and I'm not exposing you're a lot of arteries. Your, you're protecting your vitals. Yeah, I'm covering my face, right, to make sure my face is, uh, where I don't get my eyeball stabbed and all that kind of stuff. Or if, if my ex-wife is around, you use her as a human shield. Hey, you know, well, you know. If I, she's, if she's around. So. <laughs> trash can, whatever we got, right? I mean, same thing. There you go. Trash can, that's all, same thing. <laughs> But, you know, um, but understanding that, uh, that, that knife is a, li- and man, it kills me because you see people on the news are like, why do they have to shoot him? All they didn't have, have to shoot knife. him. All he had was a knife. Yeah. yeah. If, and again, I encourage anybody that's listening to this, that may be on the fence about police using excessive force with somebody carrying a knife. Mm-hmm. Go watch those videos. Yeah. Because, because it is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And it there's, is scarier, there's one of them. That, scarier than any scary movie you can watch. Well, there's watch. one of them that, that um, you sent me. So this female officer goes to a house, and I can't remember what the original call was. She goes to the house. It's just a domestic. Yeah, probably, which is, you know, one of the most dangerous things cops go on. So she knocks on the door. Doom, 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 right? The door opens. And the lady immediately walks out the door with like a freaking huge, eight inch steak knife. Yeah, huge, right? huge butcher knife. And stabs her. The lady shoots one time and misses her, mm-hmm. but then she creates some distance. So again, and she's, and she's cut. Yes, she's stabbed she's cut. at this time. And you hear her telling on video, put the knife down, put the knife yeah. down, because she's created some distance. Whereas I, I think I'm just going to start hammering down. The male mm-hmm. officer did. Well, and, the, and then so the because male officer shows up. She kind of lunges toward the male officer, and I think he shot her four times. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's, edit, that's an edited video. Yeah. Uh, there is an unedited v- a video of it. And, uh, she, she re, as soon as she squats down and she's hit, she's, yeah, she hit, drops she, the knife and she goes to pick it back she up. Right. Goes, she, when she grabs that knife, she's immediately like charging this officer and, and buddy, she did not get far. Yeah. And, and so, um, but it happened that fast. Mm-hmm. Dude. It's something we do all the time. But you know, that lady didn't die until she got to the hospital. Yeah. I wonder what her toxicology was. Because she looked like she was out on okay, another she planet. Yeah. She was on another planet. Well, and let's see, not before last, okay? Um, I was, of course, I worked for Walker County. Um, the city of Chickamauga got a call, but one of their officers was tied up, and I was close, and I was like, hey, I'll be en route to that. Because it was a call of a guy had got hit by a car. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm just a couple miles away. Let me hit my blue lights, and I'm going. Well, then as I'm getting there, you know, they're giving me more information on the radio, and um, – this guy was in traffic in the turn lane on 27 North, you know, which is four lane highway. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically runs into the side of this guy's truck, knocks his mirror off. Right. Um, then he starts trying to get into the guy's truck. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's yanking on the door, yanking on the door, yanking on the door. He's like, let me in, let me in, let me in. Uh, the guy's on the phone with 911. He jumps in the back of the guy's truck. He's trying to bust out the back window to get in through the back. And I'm sitting here thinking, dude, if that was me, you're shot. Yeah. You I'm start like, yanking on my door. Y'all go send, send a police and an ambulance. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and something to put this guy in. Yeah. Clean up the mess. Yeah. But, you know, and I even told the guy, I was like, dude, what are you thinking? And he, I said, when's the last time you used any drugs? He's like, oh, I don't use drugs, man. I'm, I'm a recovering addict. I said, dude, today ain't my first day. <laughs> you off the wagon, cuz. Well, you know, it's, I don't even know how cold it was the other night. Yeah. It, you know, it was pretty it was chilly. Pretty chilly yeah. yeah. He's standing there in a hoodie, blue jeans and socks soaking wet i'm talking about so wet like you dumped a bucket of water on him i was like dude it ain't my first day mm-hmm. when does the last time you use meth and he's like uh uh I, he, earlier 
I said, how earlier? 15 minutes ago? He's like, oh, more, more like 30 minutes ago. Jeez. I was like, yeah. And, and the backstory for that, and we won't talk about that one on air. It's pretty funny. Remind me to tell you. No, I can't wait. Yeah, we, we don't need to put that one on air. Okay. But anyway, um, but that could have went really, really bad, really, really fast. Yeah. Right? And so um, when we get to a call, you don't, you never know what you got, man. Because when I got out of the car, the guy had ran away from us toward like around Sonic up there in Chickamauga. But as soon as he saw me, he turns around and starts coming running toward me. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. And so you don't know what that guy's got in his hand because it's it's five o'clock in the morning. It's dark. There's blue lights flashing. It's, it makes it harder to see. Um, so you don't know what he's got in his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, a knife is really easy to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I totally uh, I totally support and totally believe that um, everybody should have some sort of way to protect themselves. A knife is a really good option. Um, you know, dude, here's my deal. If I, if I've always got at least one, maybe two, mm-hmm. um, usually if I've got on pants, I got a gun, but yeah, I mean, I've always, I've always got knives. I've always, you know, usually pretty much always got a gun. Um, but I always have knives too when I'm working because if I get into a situation, so let's say you pull a, a knife or whatever, um, and I go after the threat and I neutralize that arm, I get a hold of it with like a two-on-one or wrap it up and somehow block it or whatever, I'm not going to draw my gun when we're at that close distance and you can grab a hold of it as well. Right. Right? I'm probably going to take my knife. Yeah. So I have a, a, a knife that sits right behind my mag pouch. We call it Precious. Um, <laughs> and when Precious comes out, it's a bad day. Yeah. Right? And Precious has one job. Precious does not cut cardboard. Precious does not cut rope. Precious has one job, and that is to stab somebody. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. Right? Um, and I have another one, um, that sits on my, on my vest, uh, and it's called kindness. Cause you know, mama said, if you got to kill somebody, kill them with kindness. Yeah. Right? But, uh, <laughs> but you know, and it, it's kind of what we call a get off me knife. It's, it's in close to my center, mm-hmm. right? So if somebody's on top of me and I'm having a fight, I can get to it in my center and, and go to work with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, a, a knife is, is a really, really dangerous weapon. Uh, one of those videos, you know, um, officers roll up, the guy's got a knife Officer starts yelling, and dude, him and his partner probably yelled. Oh my god, fifty times at least. At least. Drop the knife, drop the knife. At least. We don't want to do this. We yeah, don't want to. They're do this. begging this, and guy. then they're backing up, right? Yeah. And so it looked like they were like maybe at a driveway to a, a shopping center, that or like a really nice, subdivision. A really nice subdivision. That's yeah. what I thought too. Yeah. Um. So they're backing up. The guy's walking to him aggressively. He's walking him down. Yeah, he's walking him down. Yeah. And so then they get into the middle of the road. It's like a four lane highway kind of road. And finally, the, and the, he's sitting there telling him, please, no, don't do this. Don't do this. And the guy starts charging him, and the guy starts, you know, shooting him. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I can't remember. Does he get to him right then, or is it after? He he gets to the second. Like, okay. after they shoot so him. So he shoots him, and he falls down, yeah. right? And he's yeah. on the ground. Anything right? the situation's like, done. They're yelling at him, you know, turn over, put your hands behind your back, da-da-da-da. Well, then the guy gets back up. And starts charging. He charges the second officer. Yes. And he actually takes his back yes. and is behind him with the knife. Yes. And, and so, um, you know, the, the human body can take a lot of punishment, right? Um, Clint Smith, who's a, a, a firearms instructor, he owns Thunder Ranch. If you've never watched any of his videos, they're hilarious. Who is that? His name's Clint Smith. Okay. Um, he is, uh, he's an older guy. So he has no give a crap whatsoever. That's, like he just he just tells you how it is, um, but he always says that um, that handguns put holes in people, rifles put holes through people, mm-hmm. and shotguns with the right load and the right distance will knock chunks of 
flesh off people and just throw it on the ground. Yeah. Right. And so with handguns, you will see people that will be shot seven, eight, nine times in, in center mass mm-hmm. and still keep coming. They're just adrenaline dump. That and plus it takes time. So when you're looking and at if they're on drugs, yeah, very them. much so they don't yeah. feel it. No, they don't feel it. So what you, when you look at it and how you, um, kind of how, so center mass shots, extremity shots or whatever are, are what you call timers, right? I'm punching holes getting blood flow. So the way you're going to stop somebody is either number one is pain compliance. You shoot them. They go, Oh crap. I'm shot. I'm done. Please don't hurt me no more. Right. Or you're going to have, um, hydraulic blood loss, which means I poke enough holes in that body to get enough blood to, to come out. So organs and fu- bodily functions stop. Mm-hmm. Right. But we even talked about with a femoral wound, you're talking about a minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah. That's all you got. That's forever. You're punching your clock. Yeah. That's yep. forever, yep. dude. Yeah. So, um, so punching holes, and that's why police officers don't shoot extremities, right? They shoot center mass to stop mm-hmm. the threat. And the last way is what um, – so that's called timers. The last way is a central nervous system shot, which means basically the band um, about the point of your nose to a little bit above your eyebrows. Um, one shot right there will sever the brain stem. Party's over. Lights out, we're done. Yeah. So that's a switch. I so, think – and correct me if I'm wrong, but you um, – People get shot in the chest. They can. You still see them come up, and they'll come after you. Oh heck yeah! If you gut shot somebody, they usually still they don't get up from that. It depends. They're really painful, from what I hear. Yeah. Lord, hope I don't ever want. Oh God, no. Um, one a, a really good place is what's um, called the pelvic girdle, which is um, you know on either side, left or right, right kind of below the belt line, mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of arteries coming in there, plus a lot of bone yeah. and a lot of muscle mass. Yep. Um, you break that pelvis with a shot, yeah, it's going to be hard for them to come after you. Right. Um, but that's not a shot that you're going to try to aim at because you're it's shooting at an hard. extremity, right. right? So if I'm in close, up tight, and I'm fighting with somebody, um, especially in a crowd, then I'm probably not going to turn my gun and shoot straight through them because what's you're going to hit people it, behind it. Right? Yeah. I'm going to aim that thing down, put it in the pelvic girdle, and because once you squeeze that round off, you're responsible for wherever that bullet goes. Yeah, and, and that's one thing. Um, I think it's Clint Smith says actually. Every round you fire has an amulet chasing attorney attached to it. <laughs> I believe I'm, it. I'm serious, I believe dude. it. Yeah. I'm serious. And so, you know, we talk about, um, and, and, you know, we talk about training all the time uh, when it comes to police officers. Man, that is a passion for me. Uh, I am, you know, I'm a firearms instructor. I'm a defensive tactics instructor. Um, police never get enough training in those situations, those type of things. Um, first, uh, there's too much other training you have to do for your certifications all year long that's just dumb and, and just redundant that you could do once every two to three years and still be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, departments don't really stress a lot of fire. Some do. Some do. Um, you know, when I when I taught DT the first time for Rome, it was the first, I think, organized class they had had in about 10 or 12 years. Mm-hmm. 10 or 12 years. That's a, that's a huge gap. Yeah. And so, um, so some of these guys that have been on the job for, you know, 10 or 12 years, the last DT class they had was in police academy. Um, what kills me is these guys, um, we, we had a guy that worked in Rome. He's still there as far as I know. Um, he always told me, like, I, I don't have to work on DT because, you know, when situations happen, I just rise to the occasion. I'll tell you, and I'll tell you this, when we used to do Sambo with Tony, mm-hmm. and we got in there with high school kids. I was probably in my early 20s. Jesse was in his early twenties and Tony, Tony reached out to law enforcement and he wanted to have those guys in there. And I can't tell you how many times, and I don't want to sound arrogant, like I'm a badass cause I'm not, but 
a lot of that stuff they taught mm-hmm. in police training yeah. would and would tie up with somebody that knew how to yeah. to grapple. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get you killed. Get you killed. Yeah. Um, I, we had a guy, a big dude. Um, I, I don't even remember what this guy's name is. But, uh, you know, we always try to take care of each other, not be real rough in class. Yeah. And he couldn't ever do that. He was just big. He was just trying to. You Didn't know, have a lot of body control. No, he's just real aggro. Yeah, yeah he's trying to hurt you. Yeah. And uh, I remember I put a choke on him, and he kept trying to get out. I mean, I had a rear naked choke on him. It was clean. Like, there wasn't no way he was getting out of that. Because at the time, I worked out, and I was strong as shit. Yeah. And, yeah he's uh, always had, like, huge arms anyway. And I, uh, I, was squeeze, I was squeezing this dude. He was turning purple. And uh, Tony, I remember Tony was like, tap out. You got to tap out. If he's choking, you got to tap out. That guy would not tap out. And I just looked up at Tony because I didn't want Tony to be mad at me. And I was like, shrugged my shoulders. And he was like, just let him go. And I let him go. And he, the guy jumped up. He was furious. He was mad. And uh, and then Jesse got a hold of him next. Oh, I would be off. And, uh, and it's, like, it's like getting a hold of the bandsaw. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like uh, it's like poking your finger with a cactus yeah. and then uh, <laughs> trying to pull the cactus out of the ground with your bare hands when yeah. Jesse gets in there. Yeah. So I was like, I was just poking his finger. And then Jesse just... He mauled him in like just, oh, just a small amount of time, and yeah. and then Tony tried to explain to him. He was like, "What they teach you in in the police force is is some things are good." He said, "But you've got to be able to add to that. Yeah, you've got to be able to get keep yourself from getting into situations like this, leaving yourself open to getting hurt." Yeah, and it just never resonated with this guy. Like he just, and we had several of them like that, and. They didn't realize they were there to learn. Mm-hmm. They were just there to try to inflict their force on oh, yeah, us. And yeah. uh, it, because, didn't, because it, it didn't work out for anybody that came in the room. <laughs> yeah. And, and so part of that that happens is um, there's no continual training, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, when I taught for Rome, it was part of in-service, and I got literally four hours a year. And in that four hours, I had to have basically a, a PowerPoint kind of presentation and go through some stuff, but I also had to cover – um, uh, pepper spray, uh, and a baton. So usually we had to do like baton strikes or whatever. Uh, and then I basically had maybe two and a half, three hours to actually do some hands-on stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't, you know, as well as I do, man, if you don't, uh, if you don't work on it, you're going to lose it. Yeah, right? absolutely. And if you don't, uh, if you don't do it correctly, you know, that's like, so that's like a standing arm bar, right? Um, a lot of, a lot of guys in law enforcement, like I ain't gonna do an arm bar. It don't work. I've never had an armbar not work. Right. But you have to. You got to put it on. You got to do it correctly. correctly. Yeah. And you have to do it violently mm-hmm. and explosively. Yeah. You know, there is no kind, polite way to arrest a violent subject. No. Right. Um, <laughs> and that's that's the other thing the media gets gets uh, gets in with, too. That they put such a bad light on police uh, officers. And um, you just said it. There's no kind way to apprehend a violent suspect yeah. i mean there's not a, there's not a way to do it well and what they want you to do is they want you to be able to throttle stuff back right they want you to be able to handle the situation very quickly and violently and then go back to mr rogers if you think the police in the united states are bad oh dude go to like uh, go to russia oh dude yeah or show like israel your, show your ass in israel yeah. and see what happens yeah, see what happens yeah um you know and so they want you to go from like terminator to Mr. Mr. Rogers. Rogers, yeah, yes. it's not yeah. even, and you can't cuss at nobody either. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'd lose my job the first day. Well, you know, I, I've gotten trouble for that, but 
Um, and I don't know if I've, I've told this story or not, but um, it's probably why I never kept a, a, a job anywhere else either. <laughs> <laughs> it go, I can't say anything, but anyway, it goes back to the armbar thing. Um, so we had a, a domestic violence case over off of East Ninth over in East Rome. Um, it's a house that's divided up into two apartments, like a duplex. Um, so when I pull up, I see a guy on the front porch with no shirt on, Hispanic guy. He sees me and he runs into the right hand side of the apartment. So as I'm coming up to the front of the house, this white lady steps out on the porch, butt naked. I did not need to see that. That was a hell of a human shield. She had blood. Well, no, she came out the other side. She came out the left side. He went the right side. So um, she comes out. She's got blood pouring down her face. And she's like, he hit me with a cabinet, hit me with a cabinet. And so all I heard was hit me, right? And I see him taking off. So I check the door. Um, It's unlocked. So I'm going in after him. Um, my backup guy arrives right about then. I'm like, Nick, his name's Nick Jennings. Super cool guy. Uh, we call him Bobby for Bobby Boucher off of Waterboy. <laughs> I'm like, Bobby, take the back. Make sure he don't run out back. So as I go in, I'm looking for this guy. I go into the second room. There is one Hispanic guy in the bed under the covers. And there's a baby in a, in a, like a crib right beside him. There's another guy sitting at the foot of the bed. The one that I'm looking for mm-hmm. on his phone. Oh. And he looks at me. He goes, I do nothing. I thought, man, come here. I, I do nothing. I said, come here. So he gets to me, and as I go to grab his wrist, he kind of pull, tries to pull away. And, man, I hit him with probably the prettiest arm bar I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> and when he hits the floor, it shook the house. So I drop down a knee on back, secure the arm, go and start putting cuffs on him, and I go, <laughs> I said, dude, did you shit yourself? <laughs> and he goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, techniques work great when you do them correctly, yeah. you know, but the thing is you have to practice them, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be intentional with it. And, and that's, that's the problem with any type of training, right? Um, the kids I train in boxing, right? If we don't put training into action with sparring and drills and stuff like that, they can't perform right. in the ring. Right. You know, they're going to get their head knocked off. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the same thing. It's like Chad Lyman says, um, you know, in law enforcement and I'm in a fight, uh, if I if I finish in second place, I'm not going home. No, I'm dead. Yeah, right. Um, and so you have to uh, you have to make that training as real as possible, mm-hmm. but you also have to get the time in, and you have to have willing subjects, mm-hmm. right? So if you go to a martial arts school, uh, whether it be jujitsu, karate, you know, boxing, kickboxing, whatever, if you go to a martial arts school, ninety nine point nine percent of the people that are there are willing Mm -hmm. because guess what? They're paying money to be there. Yeah. Right. Whereas when you go to law enforcement uh, training, about 20% of the people are willing Mm -hmm. because it's their off day. They want to come in on their off day. Mm -hmm. Why are we doing this again? I I, I do all this training. I'm not, all I'm getting is comp time. I'm not getting overtime, all Mm -hmm. this kind of crap, dude. But you have that 20% that are there that are like, Hey, let's do this. You know, I'm serious. I want to take it serious. And so those are the people that I love to teach. Um, the other people, man, they're just, they're just, I guess for, for lack of better terms, they're cannon fodder, man. Yeah. It's just like, you know, put them in front of it and, and let them take it. I, and I want to say this too, and, and I'm, and I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to bag on the police departments, the police academy, self-defense and things like that. Everything, everything's good. Uh, but if you, if I'm trying to make this make sense to people that listen to this, if you are a great swimmer and your job requires you to run, 
swimming didn't do you a damn bit of good. That's exactly right. So what I what I encourage and implore any of the any law enforcement that listens to this podcast, find you a good jujitsu school, find you a good karate school, find hell if you can do both, find somewhere that does both of yeah. them. Yeah, because you, you need, need it all. You need, you need all. it You're all. Striking, you dude. I'm, I've. <laughs> You know, you know me, man. I'm a striker. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's just my bread and butter. I'm okay on the ground. I can survive. Yeah, and it's that's not, what you got to do. But it's not where I want to be, right? Yeah. I'm like Chuck Liddell, man. I want to yeah. get back to my feet and punch you in the face, <laughs> right. right? But I mean, I know how to fight on both. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not my not my forte. You have to you have to take that pride in your arrogance because you got a badge. Because some of you do, yeah. and and I, you know, sorry, it's it's just facts. You know, some well, some people and, and, some people have an ego with a badge and. And, and a you, lot of it, and it goes back to that guy that I was talking about before. He's like, I'll just rise to the occasion. You won't. You'll get, well, you end up dead. Well, and, and science and studies have proven that you will fall to your least level training, mm-hmm. right? If your least level of training is throwing punches like Grover on Sesame Street <laughs> and screaming like a little baby girl, guess what? That's what you're going to do. Yeah. Right. Um, same thing with firearms, man. You get people that, um, they shoot one, maybe twice yeah. a year. They don't shoot their guns any other time. Right. Man. Um, their guns are so dusty, not old, not taken care of. I got to clean yeah. mine. You just reminded me. And, and then they go to the range and they wonder why they, why they struggle to qualify mm-hmm. and qualification course is not hard. Right. And you know, I'm one of these kind of people. I tell my rookies and people that I train, I will tell you my horror stories just as much as I tell you my, my war stories, mm-hmm. man. And so when I went to qualifications this year up in Walker, I hadn't shot a lot. I hadn't shot any really to be honest with you. I had brand new weapon systems up there. Um, it was a Glock, but it was a Gen Five, so the triggers are a little different. The sights are a little different. Um, my rifle hadn't even shot it hardly at all. Um, plus, the optic was messed up on it, and it's just a lot of different stuff. Uh, backup gun was one I'd never shot before, so I struggled to qualify. Yeah, because I hadn't been training. And mm-hmm. dude, I I'm a SWAT guy. I'm not supposed to struggle at all. Right. And so, man, I had to kick myself in the rear end and go, "Hey, this is this is something I suck at right this moment." And I can't afford to suck at it. No. So if if you're a police officer, okay, and I'm going to get really, really intentional here, and if I hurt your feelings and you're a police officer, guess what? I don't really care. Um, you know, <laughs> We're trying to help you yeah, help you go home and see your family. All, all you got to listen to me on this podcast is like once every two weeks, so you'll be all right. <laughs> but, but anyway, if you're a police officer and you carry a gun for a living and you can't shoot that gun, you need to hang your badge and your gun up and go find you something else to do. Yeah. Um, there was a school resource officer that used to work in Rome that made the statement that if there's ever an active shooter in school, I'm going out the door with the kids. If that is your mentality, guess what? You, you need, need to find you another freaking job. Yeah. Okay. Um, because that ain't, that ain't the oath you swore. Yeah. That's not what we're here for. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have, and that's the thing, man, it's about mindset. If you don't go, guess what? If you only get four hours of training a year for DT, that better be the hardest four hours you put in in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, because like Tim, uh, Tim Kennedy says, if you don't train for that battle for your life, then you can't, you can't function. Right. And so um, if you don't put yourself in stressful situations with that stress, that um, stress inoculation, right. Um, whether it's live rolling, doing jujitsu or sparring or whatever, um, or shooting under stress. That's one of the things we used to do in SWAT was we would do things to get our heart rate up and then have to shoot and shoot accurately, mm-hmm. you know, or we'd put a gas mask on and you'd have to run not far, not trying to kill somebody, yeah. but enough to get you breathing hard. 
and then you get to the get to the target, and the target may be divided up into numbers and colors. So as I'm running up, the instructor may say blue two, and so pull out. Got to put two rounds on blue, two rounds on two, right? So you're having to make decisions because in a real life situation, you've got such an adrenaline rush. And you know, thank God I've never been in that situation. But and you got and you got milliseconds to make decisions. Yeah, and and you got to make a clean shot because again, um, every bullet's got a got a lawyer attached to it, (laughs) right? And so, um, so putting yourself in stressful situations and making yourself perform under stressful situations is the only way to do it right, and the only way to know how you're going to react, right? Um, If you say, "Oh, I'm gonna rise to the level of, uh, I'm gonna rise to the occasion." Dude, the first time I put you in a stressful situation, I say, hey, why don't you go run 50 yards, do 10 jumping jacks, and then go shoot that target? I guarantee you, you're going to, you, you won't even be able to hit the target. If you got, and another thing too, like you're looking at, like, I don't know, I just keep using jujitsu as an example, but you got those guys that, those rise to occasion guys, and then I, and, and this is kind of going back to what I was talking to before. Uh, those guys, those rise to occasion guys got about 30, to 45 seconds worth of good in them. Mm-hmm. And then once you weather that 30 to 45 seconds, yeah. they're so amped up, they're out of breath, they're gassed, their muscles are starting to fatigue, yeah. uh, and the lactic acid's building up. And that's just, it's just like a python. Oh, you dude, let yeah. it settle down. That's and, when it gets fun. And you just start squeezing. Yeah. And because, you, <laughs> you know, and so, um, one thing I, I started doing about a year and a half ago, um, I, I started, um, devising a, fitness routine for first responders, mm-hmm. specifically law enforcement. Um, because, uh, again, I'm probably going to offend somebody. I don't really care. But um, it's a matter of you. We're basically bringing this to light so people can go home every night. That's exactly right. That's why we do this. That is that is my whole, my whole concept and my whole passion. I want to do whatever I got to do to help that guy or girl make it home to their family. Yeah. Because nothing else matters to me. My mindset is totally, um, and, and you know, it's like what I tell my kids when I go to work. I tell them, I say, um, babies, I love you bigger than a big old sky. And Bennett will say, Daddy, I love you bigger than a big old world. I say, I'll see you when I get home. And she says, always. And I say, always, always. And I ask her a question. I say, Daddy, what? She said, Daddy comes home no matter what. And I say, and who do we feel sorry for? She said, anybody that tries to stop him. Yeah. Because, by gosh, she needs to know that I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get home. Right. I don't care if I got to shoot you, stab you, bite you, throw it out, hit you with a brick. I do not care. I'm going home. Yeah. And until people get that mindset, we're going to keep having keep yeah. having officers getting killed. You, you, can't, you can't just say, hey, I got a badge. Hey, I got a gun. Uh, you're going to do what I say. Because we're seeing that now more so than ever. Mm-hmm. People don't respect that badge. Nope. People don't respect that gun nope. because they got the news media. Like if you pull that gun on me, you're going to lose your job. It's All the years right. you've worked in law enforcement, uh, somebody's going to take a picture of that or a video of that and you're going to lose your job. Yeah. You're going to get sued. Or you may go to prison. You're going to prison. Yeah. Because uh, like we talked about before that, that um, Atlanta officer with the Wendy situation, mm-hmm. right? He did everything exactly right, right. man. Everything mm-hmm. right. And he still got arrested. And they crucified him. Well, they, and they tried. Yeah. That Fulton County DA, who's yeah. a piece of trash, yeah, agree. tried his hardest yeah. to. So, um, but man, it, it all goes back to mindset and how serious you take your training and where it goes from there. Um, talking about that that um, workout plan. So the whole um, the whole concept, the old, old old school bodybuilding concept of what I call Frankenstein workouts. Hey, today I'm gonna do chest and arms, yeah. and you know Monday is chest day. Yeah, right. I'm can't Friday I'm gonna do legs. You can't get a bench anywhere in Northwest Georgia on That's Monday. Right. 
<laughs> and, but the thing is, with those type of workouts, a couple things happen. Number one, uh, you do a heavy leg day. How 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 long does your legs hurt? Oh, for two three days. Yeah. So in law enforcement, you don't have that luxury of saying, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna stay home from work for about three days," you know, because my legs are sore. I can't mm-hmm. sit on the toilet. Right. Right. Um, or I'm so tight in my upper body, I can't put my shirt on. Right. Uh, you don't have that option. So the way we devise this workout plan is, uh, is full body every day with primary focus on certain things. And the good thing about it is I'm not so busted up and sore that I can't function mm-hmm. because it's all functional fitness. It is, is the key. It is, but it's got a little twist to it. Right. So, um, I'm I'm a CrossFit certified instructor, but I'm not 100% drinker of the Kool-Aid. Right, okay? same here. Because uh, there's certain things to it that I don't agree with, but also I have to bring more of a, a job-specific side to it. Mm-hmm. So where where you're, I may do a, because a you're CrossFit. Because you're, like, you're trying to teach people how to be good at their job, not be good at doing jumping jacks. Yeah. Well, so like one of our finishers for our workouts, right, may be like let's do 20 kettlebell swings, a 50-yard sprint, and then I'll have on my duty gear, and I'll have what we call a blue gun, which is a plastic inert gun shaped just like a Glock mm-hmm. 17 or whatever. Costs like 30 bucks from Amazon. But after I run that sprint, I'm doing 10 weapon draws. I'm coming out of a holster. I'm getting on target, breathing, getting my sight picture side alignment. Because that's real, dude. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to chase somebody. You're going to have to fight somebody. And then you got to be upside down and put them in handcuffs, Right. So I may do my workouts, do sprints, or, or however I finish that workout up, and then I got a, a buddy that I work with, and we're working handcuffing techniques right behind it, right? Because that's job-specific, and now I've got an elevated heart rate. So now you can perform at that upper level, mm-hmm. right? So And in those type of situations, let's say I get in a fight with a guy, um, and I did heavy bicep curls. Right? I'm not asking my body to function one as one as arms or legs i'm asking it to function explosively as one thing and if i don't train it like that then it's not going to perform that way right right you got guys that'll do heavy bench press heavy bench press heavy bench press flies all this kind of stuff they'll have a heavy chest day but you put somebody on top of them that knows how to do jujitsu or knows how to control them and a wrestler a good wrestler dude they are screwed yeah Whereas if I incorporate all that that. together and I work on explosiveness through my hips and through my legs, now I know how to throw that guy off Mm -hmm. of me and it's more functional and it just saved my life. So setting up our workout plan like that. And so that's what I've done with this book. I just can't get it done, man. Every time I think I'm done, I keep adding stuff to it. Well, that's good. So um, it's got a workout portion with um, right now on the phase one 15 um, sample workouts to kind of show how we lay everything out. Some of them are done on the range, right? Some of them are done shooting. Um, some of them are done, like I said, with sprints and, and handcuffing or fighting with a bag or live sparring or rolling or however you want to handle it. Um, maybe a technique base of knife uh, knife defense or whatever. Um, there is a nutrition portion because, you know, we as cops, we eat like crap. Because, yeah, you're in the car all day. Well, dude, and that, so I work, like I said, I work in Walker County. Um, at nighttime, I've got... Waffle, well, Taco Bell. Well, I got Taco Bell and I got McDonald's. Yep. Ugh. 
And if I'm on the very north side of the county, up near uh, Tennessee Line, up around Fort Oglethorpe or whatever, I have Waffle House. Mm-hmm. Now, I can eat clean at Waffle House. Yeah, you yeah, can eat you good can, at Waffle you House. You can. But you can't eat clean hardly at all at McDonald's. And you, you surely sure can't ain't eat clean Bell. at Taco Bell. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be clean, all right. You're yeah. going to be clean when yeah. it comes out. going to clean you right on out. So I try to fix my lunch as much as I can, put a cooler in my car, take it with me. But um, there's the nutrition part in there as well. Um, there's a, a stretching part. There's a self care part because you look at the numbers of officers that are that are committing suicide. Uh, it's just man alarmingly high. I mean, yeah. you know, we've talked about mental health and police officers and people we deal and things we deal with. Um, and then you know, and it's not for everybody, but there's also a 28 day devotional in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've started incorporating a phase two. So let me get this correct. Yo, you putting a book together. I'm putting a book together. It's that's mine. A, that's a great it idea. It is called Forged for Service mm-hmm. because, you know, my gym used to be called The Forge. Yeah. And so it's called, and of course, my business is Forged Tactical. So it's called Forged for Service. Um, I wanted to have it done by the end of the year. That's my plan. Okay. Um, but anyway, so it, it talks about. We're going to sell it on our podcast. There we go. You. I, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, trying to reach out and help people understand and learn um, how they need to train to, number one, take care of themselves. Um, me being on SWAT, um, I don't have an option of, Hey, I'm doing leg day today. So I ain't come, even if I planned it with my schedule and I said, okay, um, I'm off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this weekend, right? It's my off days. Uh, so I'm gonna do heavy legs Friday. That'll give me Saturday and Sunday to try to recover a little bit. And and I'll go back to work on Monday. Right. Um, what happens for me if I do heavy leg day and then all of a sudden we get a SWAT call out on Friday night and I've got a two mile hump through the woods, you know, up a big old hill going to try to get a bad guy that's barricaded in the house wanting to kill his family. Right. So I can't, I don't have that option. You know, I, I, I used to always say, dude, when you, when you get into law enforcement, you lose the right to be fat and out of shape. Yeah. And there's a lot of police officers that are. It, it blows my mind. Well, and, and you know, I've always been the, the thing, man, I don't care. I, I don't care if you look like a Greek God coming out of the gym, but uh, you better be able to drag me out of a house if something happens to me. Yeah. You know, you better be able to get my rear end to safety if something happens because I'm going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure I'm in shape to do it for you. And until you get that kind of mindset of, of a warrior that I'm going to do what I got to do, not just to make sure that I make it home, but to make sure you make it home, right? And having that mindset of I'm going to do whatever it takes. So let me ask you a question, and I'm going to um, wait till I get to the question part before you answer me. Okay. Because I'm going to set the scene. You ready? All right. All right. So let's say, how, how old is your little girl? She is eight. Okay. And so, you know, Bear's six. He just turned six yesterday, right? So you and her are going to the Braves game, right? You're um, uh, you're at the stadium, headed towards your seats, um, walking hand in hand. All of a sudden, some guy runs up and snatches her and starts to try to run away. To what level will you go to keep her safe? Oh, I'll die right there. Yeah. They'll and, have to and, kill and, me. And so I was talking to a buddy um, – this is one of the, you ever have those aha moments when you're like, dang, I can't believe I just came up with that. Yeah, this is one of those moments. So here we go. Um, you would do whatever it takes to keep that person from taking your child, correct? Right. You'll kill them. Yeah. You'll draw your last breath to protect your kid right. and keep that person from taking your kid away from you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's called kidnapping. In the state of Georgia, kidnapping is a, a deadly force situation. You try to take my kid, I'm going to make you look like Swiss cheese. Right. Right. We will fight with that intensity to keep someone from taking our kids. Why will we not fight with that intensity to keep someone or something from taking us from our kids? Right. That something may be smoking. It might be those four Snicker bars or 
eight whoppers you eat a day or what following what me around no the gas station when but, i get snickers but, <laughs> man that that hit me yeah. when i thought of that yeah because i'll do whatever it takes I've, i told my kids i'll do what it takes to keep somebody from from taking me away right because we both know people who um who've lost a child right you're never the same right but think about a child who loses a, a parent. parent dude it's the same exact thing yeah so I will fight to the death to keep somebody from taking my kid. And I will fight to the death to keep somebody from taking me from my kid. Mm -hmm. But not something. And until people get that concept in their brain of, guess what? Uh, It ain't worth me eating an extra cheeseburger and being, as a police officer, being 150 pounds overweight. Living a good life ain't easy. Not at all. And knowing that I can't... I can't be there to keep my buddy safe. Right. Or guess what? If, if I've got to chase a guy and fight a guy, a- am I doing my kids any good if I have a freaking heart attack on the side of the road? No, not at all. So now my kids have to do without their, their, their daddy, right? And we look at it from the aspect of somebody hurting us, shooting us, stabbing us, whatever, but we don't look at our choices taking us away from our kids. Mm-hmm. And that goes in all aspects of life. If you can't get a, a mindset of, I'm going to do what I got to do to be a better person and to make myself harder to kill and, and make myself, I guess, for lack of better terms, harder to die. Right. Um, you, I I just don't understand that concept. I don't either. You know, that's why I go to the gym and I bust my rear end. Right. That's why I go um, to the range and I work, you know, mag, mag changes and shooting and things like that. (laughs) And so in training, whether it comes to law enforcement or personal self-defense or whatever, we've got to be laser focused on what we're doing, right? And I heard the analogy today on the way here. I was listening to a, uh, one of those motivational things, I think from Eric Thomas, I think so it was. And he was talking about an eagle. And he's like, man, just think about an eagle. If you've ever watched one on video or, or just seen one out. And so eagle's flying over a pond or a lake or whatever, and he sees a fish. And all of a sudden, you see him angle, and the wings flap one good time. And son, he shoots straight ahead. His eyes are focused on that water. His wings are tucked in, and he's not looking left or right. He's man. coming in hot. He's coming in hot, blowing out snot. Yeah. And dude, he has his eyes focused on what he's coming after, and he is not going to be deterred until he gets it. Mm-hmm. We have to have that same kind of laser intensity and same kind of laser focus when we're doing law enforcement training or just take training to, to keep our family safe, man. Right. Um, and be intentional. That's one thing, man, that I've really – I really beat my not beat myself up on, but um, held myself accountable to is being intentional with my kids. You know, I work night shift, man. Like when when we get done here, I'll have about maybe an hour. I'll go get my son, and, and it's just really easy to put him in front of a TV and go, okay, buddy, I'm gonna check out, and take a couple hour nap, right? Um, I don't want to do that, man. I want to be intentional. Yeah. Just, just like the the laser, uh, you know, obstacle course at my house, right? Yeah. I want to do things all the time that create memories. Uh, for them and, and and just intentional with it. But I got to be intentional with my training too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to put myself in those bad situations of, you know what, man, uh, I've been doing martial arts for a while. Uh, I've had some success, but I need to go kind of start at the basics and begin again. Right. And, 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 and work on some stuff. Um, training a lot of times uh, it gets put on the back burner because, you know, cops money's not great. Um, so they're having to work side jobs, uh, whether it be to live up to a certain standard, they think they need to live. So they're living outside their means or they're just trying to make ends meet, man. Sure. 
And so, um, so now you're working crazy hours. Um, you don't have, you don't think you have time to train because you got to work side jobs. You got court, you got police training coming up. And now you, you did have three days off this week, but you got court one day, you got training one day and I got to work a side job one day. You know, I know a guy, um, so our typical rotation of two weeks is we work seven days in two weeks. So like one week I work two days, the next week I work five. Okay. So out of 14 days, I work seven mm-hmm. out of 14 days. He works 12. Oh, wow. Yeah. The only, the only days he has off is the Saturday and Sunday that we're off that week. Yeah. And the other time he's working, you know, I, I, I can't do that, man. Yeah. I'm not going to do that to my kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, we have to be intentional with our, our time, with our family, be intentional with our kids. Um, because I want to, I want to be able to perform to the same intensity, uh, no matter what the situation, right. I, um, you know, we, we're raising a, raising a generation of people that feel like they have to be entertained. You know, people that are, are walking through the parking lot on their cell phones, not paying attention. You know, dude, you're just, a, you're a, driving down the road. Heck yeah, man. Playing on their cell phone, not paying because attention. Because no matter what you think, dude, and I'm one man, dude, I, you know, I confess it. I'm guilty dude, myself I, well, of the same thing. And this, this sounds horrible and I, I'm ashamed of myself for saying it, but, um, law enforcement is exempt from the texting law as long as you're texting in regards to your job um or or being on the phone mm-hmm. um you know but uh but yeah I, I i text way too much on the phone there's been times when i've been like <laughs> you know thinking i'm gonna die um but the human body cannot focus on more than one thing at a time and so why do we think that we can we can multitask when we really can't it's not it's not even it's not even real dude right multitasking is not real right right if i'm thinking about writing this book at the same time i'm trying to work out at the same time, I'm fielding phone calls about a gun class. Two of those, well, actually, all three of those things they are all suffering. Suffer. They're they all, all suffering. Suffer, yeah. yeah, I'm not giving 100. percent So if I'm thinking about writing down notes for a class while I'm supposed to be spending time with my kid, he's suffering. Yeah, you know, or or like yesterday, um, I took him to breakfast yesterday, and we sit down at a hop. You know, I, I'm on my phone because I had posted about his birthday and people are like, you know, happy birthday, Barry. Yeah. And, you know, that's cool. I'm looking at it. I'm showing him stuff. And I got thinking, I was like, you know what? I'm not being intentional with him. So I put my phone down and, uh, I mean, my SWAT ringtone is, is a special tone in case we get a call out. I know exactly what it is. Set my phone down and I just told the kids, I said, look, it's y'all's time. I'm with y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to be intentional with our training. We have to be intentional with what we do because we're, we're raising a generation of weak minded, uh, people with no Misinf- discipline, misinformed. Yeah, no discipline, no toughness, man. Uh, because they're they're they play Call of Duty. You know, I don't know. If, did you see the video that I did with Bear? Um, when he was talking about uh about training. Yeah, dude. You know, because that come from a five year old's mouth of, and, and basically he's like, dude, this ain't no video game. Yeah, you don't get extra lives. No, you don't. You got to be serious with what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, if you're especially with like gun stuff, man, uh, you got to be serious with how you handle that gun because number one, if you're not and you're screwing around, then somebody else gets shot, right? But also, it, it creates bad habits, right? Um, you know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like sparring with your hands down, you know. It's fun for a little while, but you create Eventually bad habits. you're going to get caught. Yeah, and you create battle scars and, and training scars, and you wind up screwing up. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not intentional to fix those things, um, but we have that generation that, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll just get another five lives, right? Yeah. You know, it's going to cost me some some coins, but I'll, I'll get five lives. 
You know, they feel like they have to occupy themselves with, with whatever. Um, and when they're doing that, so think about us. When we were kids, right, um, we didn't really have a lot of video games and crap. So what you do when you were bored? I went outside. Yeah. You, we built forts. Yeah. I played wiffle ball yeah. or football okay. or so basketball. Go, go to the first thing you said. You built forts, yep. right? So building forts, think about what things you had to do to build that fort. You had to be creative mm-hmm. to figure out how to build that thing and it stand up right. and not fall, not fall on top of us. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know. Which I'm sure it did a few yeah, times. <laughs> it probably did. But you had to be creative. You had to be, um, I guess, technical or, or I, I don't know how you would say it, but mechanical. Mm-hmm. You had to be able to put it together where it wouldn't fall and stuff. Um, so you had to use all these things to do that. Now a kid gets bored and it's like, hey, let's go play my game for a little while. They go build forts on Minecraft. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, or they go shoot shoot and, and they get online and talk to their buddies and, mm-hmm. and play video games all night long. Um, so we're, we're raising a, ki- a generation of kids with no creativity. Um, so think about all the all the artists we could lose. Yeah. Because of that. You know? Sure. All the musicians we could lose because they're not over there tinkering with a guitar. Mm-hmm. They're they're playing Guitar Hero. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, you know, and, and it's easy to play Guitar Hero and, and sound like you're Slash from Guns N' Roses, mm-hmm. right? Um, and instead of me with a guitar, and I I smell like uh, I sound like Smash from from you know, uh, <laughs> these are us. Right. Right? But um, so a generation with no imagination, no creativity, um, they feel like they have to be occupied all the freaking time. So um, I told Bennett. Um, she was watching something on Netflix the other day and I said, Hey babe, how much longer is left in that, that episode? And she's like 10 minutes. I said, okay. When that episode's over, turn it off. She's like, okay. So she turns it off, but then she grabs her phone and I was like, Mm-mm. she's like, what do you mean? I said, put it down. What am I going to do? I said, I don't know, but you ain't doing that. Yeah. She's like, well, I'm going to go read. Okay, go read. So after 15 minutes of reading, I was like, Hey, you're done reading. Well, can I get back on my phone? Nope. What am I going to do? Don't know. Color, build a fort. Yeah, color. <laughs> do something with perler bees. Do something creative. Yeah. I don't care, but yeah. do something. Yeah. And so, um, we got young cops, man. Never been punched in the face before a day in their life. I believe that. And so now they were trying to at the police academy level of bringing boxing back. And I'd always told um, the training guys at Rome, I was like, look, when we get a rookie in, let me have them. Let me box with them a little bit. Because here's my thing. Um, number one, what do I gain by knocking them out in the first place? Nothing. Nothing. So, and I, I've got a good bit of experience. You know, I've been, I've been doing it like a week or two. Um, so I've got control. I'm not going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Right. But they need to know that they can get punched in the face and still keep on. And know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other part of the generation is they're so technical. It's, um, well, what are you going to do if this happens? Well, I'll just tase them. You know, cause they go back to technology. I'll just tase them. Right. And a taser is a cool tool. But the optimum distance for a taser shot is 7 to 12 feet. Very seldom do we deal with people at 7 to 12 feet. It's up close and personal. Yes. Hey, can I have your driver's license? Uh, hey, why are, you doing, why are you hiding behind that building? You know, or why did you slap your wife or whatever? So we're up close and personal, whereas a taser is not going to do us any good. You can't tase a dude hiding in the bushes. No. And pepper spray, man. Pepper spray has its, has its, um, has its uses. But the problem is if you pe- – if you pepper spray somebody, well, then you got to put hands on them, put them in cuffs, and guess mm-hmm. what? Now you got more pepper spray on you than do anybody else. Yeah, or if the wind blows it back in your face. Yeah, or you got an idiot that can't actually aim at the person in front of them. They spray your you you beside them. Yeah, right? uh, dude, there's a, a hilarious old Rome PD video of that 
where he the guy the officer sprayed everybody but the bad guy. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, and so I, I believe that. Well, I was pretty much the one that said, "Hey, uh, if we get in a fight and you bring pepper spray out, you're on your own. I'm back in service, buddy. See you bye." Yeah, because I'm my I'm allergic to that crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, Poppy was allergic to it too, man. Yeah, he he broke out bad. Really? Yeah, I had burns on my eyelids for like a week. God dang. Yeah. So um, we're losing a generation of kids that know how to be rough and know how to take up for themselves mm-hmm. and how to scrap. Yep. Um, and so in law enforcement, man, that that's a that's just not a good thing. And so unless you go out and you do continual training, um, you do training under stressful situations, which means hey, we're gonna get in the boxing ring. And, and we're going to let people punch you in the face, right? Mm-hmm. Or we're going to let people kick you in the gut, right? Or we're going to let people grab hold of you and you, you've got to, you know, um, and actual hands-on stuff or learning how to, to defend lives or, or learning how to get your gun out when you're amped up or whatever. Unless we start doing those kind of things, uh, we're going to continue to see, um, number one, officers get killed. Uh, but number two, and also in that Gracie Survival Tactics class, um, they have a saying that says uh, an officer without options is an accident waiting to happen. So let's say um, young officer, he's pretty dependent on his taser. He gets in a fight with somebody and he can't get to his taser. And now he's kind of getting his butt handed to him. Mm-hmm. Right. The guy's not like going for his gun. He's just punching punch him, him in the face. Yeah. So now the guy, the officer's overwhelmed. He's never been punched in the face. He's tasting his own blood. Uh, I got some tears clouding up the eyeballs yeah, for him. He, yeah. he, he's feeling um, he's feeling like that, that he, he's in bad trouble. Yeah. And he right? is. Yeah. Um, and, and it may not be that, that he's in serious trouble being hurt. It's just in his mind because he's never been punched in the face. Mm-hmm. He's never fought through that. Right. Now he thinks that situation is. It's a dire situation that he can't escape. And from. now he just shoots this guy. Right. Who does not have a weapon. Right. And the guy dies. How's that going to go? Yeah. Because the old, um, the old adage, I was in fear for my life. You shot an unarmed man. Yeah. That's how it's going to be portrayed. Yeah. I was in fear for my life. And you can't articulate why you just shot that guy who maybe has a checkered past. But, of course, when the media comes out, he's going to be a choir boy. Oh, yeah. Um, but He was turning his life around. Yeah, yeah. He, he loved met, his He mama. met Jesus in prison, baby. Yeah. But um, he uh, even named his dog Jesus. Um, his, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, um how are you going to explain that one? Yeah. Because and you got, and you got 12 people sitting there going to decide your fate. Exactly right. You know, um, when all it was, was you had no experience with getting punched in the face or fighting through that situation. You had no stress inoculation to where you're amped up and you're scared to death and you're having to function. Okay. So even worse, let's say that situation happens. You draw your gun and you start to shoot the guy at a distance of me and you, right? And I got a funny story about this part, but a distance of me and you, and I miss you, but I shoot that's those school kids right behind you. How's that going to look? Yeah. Right? Um, one of my very first calls when I got sent, when I was out on my own, uh, was working night shift. We got sent down on South Rome. These two guys were in a fist fight. Like, fist fight. Okay? Um, one guy started getting the better of the other one. So he steps back. It's a little bit more than fist fighting distance. Kind of like kicking distance, mm-hmm. I guess you would say. Draws a gun and shoots five times. Misses him four times. Shot him one time in the junk. Oh, God dang. Yeah. Right in the because, freaking base. Because he's throwing it, right? It's yeah. Matrix. He's throwing the, throwing the round, yeah. right? Point, throwing it down. Um, but he shoots the guy in the privates, right? One time at fist fighting distance. Um, 
you know, if you're a police officer and you draw your weapon and I'm trying to shoot you as a bad guy for whatever reason, and I miss you and I shoot school kids behind you, that uh, yeah. you're in prison yeah. the rest of your life and you're sued. There's families coming after you. Yep. So putting yourself in those stressful situations so that you can perform is it, super important, whether it's just getting your heart rate up. Um, there's these competitions they have like the fourth Saturday of every month. They have them in Bremen. It's called the IDPA, which is the International Defensive Pistol Association. So they have scenarios set up where you have to shoot and, and move and reload and stuff. So um, a couple of ways we, uh, we kind of make you perform under stress is, number one, we put your, that, that situation under time. Right. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, I'm going against time. So now I'm going against time and I'm trying to be accurate. And the less accurate I am, the more time it adds. Okay. So it's putting me in a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. And the other is by like physical exertion. So let's say we, we knock out, you know, 20 jumping jacks and then I got to shoot that course. So now I got physical exertion, right? Cause my heart rate's up. Um, and I got time. So I'm really stressed and making yourself perform under that situation uh, is really important. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> I've seen videos of police officers who've been in shootouts. They'll shoot a magazine full, right? Bah, 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 and they run out. And they'll hold their gun in their hand and no clue what to do because they've never reloaded. They never reloaded. Well, they've never reloaded while they were in, gotcha. in a gunfighting situation, mm-hmm. right? It's, they're standing on the line. It's two, two shots. Pow, pow, holster. Now step to the right, two shots, pow, pow, holster. So um, Georgia has kind of adjusted the the qualification course for law enforcement to make it more realistic mm-hmm. if I'm having to step and I'm having to reload and things like that. But for years it wasn't like that, man. You just stood there on the line and, you know, you shot uh, two rounds to the left target at 25, two rounds to the right target at 25. Then we go to the 15 and you shoot um, one to the left, one to the right standing, one to the left, one to the right kneeling. You know, I mean, it's real simple stuff mm-hmm. and you still got people who can't qualify. Wow. Um, but then you put stress on them, dude. And they whoo, sure shit. And he hit me. Yeah. So, um, putting yourself in those situations, man, it's just, man, it's just freaking super, super important. Um, but yeah, man, we, we just got to get that laser focus and that mindset. And, and like I said, man, have that mindset of, um, when it comes to other kind of training, physical training or whatever, um, I'm doing this to make sure something or somebody don't take me from my kids sure, and, you know, knowing who I'm fighting to go home to. Mm-hmm. So, well, man, I think all the information that we got is, is, is key. It's important. And, you know, I implore all, any law enforcement, EMT, firefighter, anybody that's a, a first responder, find you a good jujitsu school, find you a good karate school, research what you're doing. A lot of times those schools offer discounts Yeah. And some of those schools even even train first responders for free. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing I'm going to say about that is to um, make sure that instructor um, is willing to and able to adjust training for what you need. Right. right? Because if you're talking straight, just pure jujitsu, right, um, a lot of the stuff you learn in pure jujitsu – you can't do in law enforcement. You need right? combat, yeah. a combat style of jujitsu, yeah. which it's it's available. Yeah, um, but I mean, honestly, how many different ways do you know how to choke somebody? Uh, I mean, a few good. A, a I'm, good I'm, I'm talking about seriously. How many how many ways do you think you know how to choke somebody? I mean, probably 
three good solid chokes. Yeah, I mean you got a you got a, a guillotine. Choke, yep, yeah, guillotine. You, you got like a head and arm. Yep. Uh, you got a rear naked choke. That's about it. Uh, and then you got like, little tweaks of like you know collared chokes right. and, and crap like with clothes. Like, yeah. like a um, what I used to always call a, a gift wrap choke. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got just several different ways to choke people. Yep. The problem is in law enforcement you can't do them. Unless it's a lethal force situation, right? You can't just choke people, right? right? No, agency, not anymore. Yeah, no agencies uh, are going to allow that by their policy, right? Uh, unless it's a lethal force situation. So, um, learning how to control bodies, body movements, um, learning the difference between. So, you know, we talked about before. If you're talking about a straight jujitsu situation. Um, what do you think the best position to be in for control is to control uh, somebody? The mount. Either mount or side or, control. Side control is good, and well, I mean, of course, ideally, you want them on your belly, and you're you're mounting them from yeah, yeah. Ideally, um, that would be the pro. And the problem with um, side control is, you know, I'm chest to chest, my head's down. Mm-hmm. If I'm on the side of the road and it's three o'clock in the morning, it's just me and that person. You don't want to be there. Well, that, that's not that bad. <laughs> but if I'm in the middle of the of say housing authority. Yeah. Or or something like that. And there's 20 or 30 people around. You're getting kicked in the head. I'm getting kicked in the head. Yeah. So knee on belly yep. is a great position right. for law enforcement. So being able to look at that and have an instructor that can look at that and say, okay, look, this is what we do in like traditional mm-hmm. sport, jiu-jitsu, whatever. This is what you need to do. You're right. Um, and so that that's really important to right. me. Um, but and that, like you said, finding it, something that teaches a little bit of everything right. is best. And that's the thing, too. Like if you if we were talking about getting law enforcement involved like with jiu-jitsu, not, I'm not saying – yeah, you need to go learn how to choke people. The main thing in in, in jujitsu that you're going to learn is uh, position and control. Yeah, okay. Sure. So you're you're controlling your assailant. You're you're taking a good position. It's going to keep you safe and also keep them safe too. Because oh, yeah. in in the long run, you're the one that's going to be brought to light if somebody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So if you're not in control of that and you put them in a bad si- position where you hurt them, yeah, uh, then yeah, you're getting sued. Especially if it's a situation where. Um uh, they don't need to be hurt, right? Um, now I'm I'm a full firm believer, dude. If they if they buy the ticket, they they're getting get, the ride. They're getting the ride, right? right. Um, I'm same here. If, you know, if I if I'm if I've got a hold of your arm and you're still trying to punch me or whatever, I'm probably going to send you to see Doctor Bushnell because I'm probably going to rip, rip that shoulder off place. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm probably going to rip off. it to pieces. Yeah, um, or or I'm I'm probably going to snap it in some way. Um, and that's where the people getting amped up happens a lot of times. They fight with somebody, they get on the ground, and they're just like, move over, move over, move over, yeah. right? And now you got guys working against each other. You got like five guys on top of somebody, mm-hmm. and, and it's like the the polyester pylon. Yeah. Uh, nobody knows what's going <laughs> that's on. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Somebody's pulling left and somebody's pulling right, and the person in the middle kind of looks like a yo-yo. That's what I call it, the five o yo-yo. That's um, freaking funny. Yeah, and so um, being able to hit that that control position of like knee on belly, yep. and I've got an arm, whether I want to have it for an arm bar or whether Just I'm going to hold go, them in position, or I'm going to go for a kimura or something like that, um, and taking a breath. That's what I tell people, man. We get to the like if I take you down in a law enforcement situation, I put you on the ground. I'm not in a rush to get to the next position. I'm going to hit the ground, go to knee on belly, and I'm going to be like, "Whew, yeah, that sucked, right?" I'm going to take a deep breath. Um, because I've got to be able to, to function and, and not get rushed and not, you know. Because, again, man, if you start wailing on people and, and there's no justification for it, you're going to wind up in prison. Yeah, you're going to jail. Yeah. yeah. You look at the, the George Floyd thing, right? Um, that knee on the back of the neck, that was a technique that was taught for years. Mm-hmm. So what happened, I honestly believe in that situation was 
I do not believe Chauvin intended to hurt him at all. I don't believe it had anything to he's do with He's trying to control his position. I believe he's trying to control his position, but I also believe that was a technique that was taught years before, and he was never taught any different. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen that same technique here in Rome and Floyd County. Mm-hmm. Not with Rome PD, but with other agencies in this area, um, because that's what they were taught. Right. And they had not had any continuing training at all. And so that that's a problem, man. That's a that's a liability for that officer, and it's a liability for that agency, especially now. Yes, because every like me as a DT instructor, everything I teach, I'm responsible for. Mm-hmm. So when I put a lesson plan together and it goes into the training files, let's say you're my you're a police officer and you use a technique, and you're going to be like, well, pff, I learned that from Officer Manning. He taught me that crap in, in DT last year. I'm going to put my lesson plan out about look. I didn't teach you to put your that knee is, on the back of somebody's neck. Right. Yeah. Or I didn't teach you to put your foot on somebody's face. Right. Right. Uh, that ain't what we taught. Right. And so, um, so yeah, that's why that kind of stuff's important. Well, man, thank you so much for all the good information. Again, always, uh, you're a fan, you're a crowd favorite. Oh, so we keep doing this. Uh, hey, I'm good for it, man. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I always tell people that I know, dude, if you've got something you want us to talk about, Man, shoot us, shoot me, shoot you. Yeah, a absolutely. Or yeah, um, you know, go to the, go to the Cigar Store Idiots and shoot Rob a message, or go to Forge Tactical and shoot me a message, um, because I want to. You know, that's how the traffic stop thing came up. Yeah, somebody come up to me and like, "Hey, man, you, you need to talk about traffic stops and what to do on traffic stops and what not to do." Yeah, and so um, like last one on mental health, that was not what I had planned on talking about. But dude, it was so good uh, and it's important. And I told you, man, when I left that it. day, I was like, "Man, I just I didn't feel good about that one." Yeah. No, and then it I was listened good. to it and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, no, that good? no it, it made a lot of sense, and we we brought up a lot of things that need to be talked about. So. Yeah. So, you know, if people got anything they want to hear law enforcement-wise, man, let's let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, shoot us a message. Let's let's talk about it. So. Yep, for sure. All right, man, you be safe as always, and uh, I will talk to you soon, brother. Yes, sir. All right, later. Two.